0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. Jeff, did you stay up for Thursday Night Football last night?
1: No. Come on, man. No. It's,
0: it's Cincinnati, Baltimore, big game. <laughs> you, you big weren't game there? to who?
1: For Cincinnati and Baltimore. <laughs> uh, do you think the people at Cincinnati
0: think that's a big game? They won, so they're happy. It's, I have AJ it, Green on my fantasy team, it, so I was it's happy. It's a miracle <laughs> that they have two wins. Um look, I maybe I still, that's maybe that's why the coach you, decided to come back. I told you I'm part of the problem. I don't like Thursday night football, but I yeah. watch it. So like if I didn't watch then and people didn't watch, the numbers would be down, but because yeah. people watch because I want to watch football. Thank you, a, Jason. You're welcome. <laughs> I, I'm glad I could be there for you. Uh, no, we, you're not
1: there for me. You're, I'm, just, you're taking up airtime on Thursday night.
0: Nah, I'm glad we could be there. Could there could be
1: so many other things out.
0: We are actually going to start it out fun. We are joined on the line now by Eagles great William Thomas. William, are you there?
2: Hey guys, how you guys doing? How
0: you doing today?
2: I'm doing great, man. I can't complain.
0: You are uh, in Texas, ready to to ref a game this weekend, and appreciate you giving us yeah. a few minutes to. Recap what's going on with the Eagles. Talk a little bit about what's going on in the football world. Uh, what would you think of uh, the Eagles got the win last week? Struck- wait, 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 wait. Oh, you want to go uh, no, into no, something. No, no Go since, ahead, Jeff. Since you were complaining to me. <laughs> t-
1: so tell us, what do you think of Thursday night football? <laughs>
2: what I think of Thursday night football yeah. in general? Yeah. Yeah. Jeff hates it. As a it. fan, I like watching it. But See? As a player, like man, sheesh.
0: <laughs> See, I like watching it's just a it. It's hard time to play. I like watching it. Jeff doesn't think the game should be played, and I always tell him I'm part of the problem because I watch it, even though I know that the players don't want to be playing in them. <laughs> on the yeah. problem, I mean,
2: it's hard, especially if you if you play a game on Sunday, then go Thursday. It's a tough one.
0: Jeff can't even come in the studio a week after we do a show, so he wouldn't be able to handle that. Hey, 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 hey.
1: <laughs> no, I, I just think it's sloppy football because you can't get ready for it. The the body hasn't recovered from it, and it's, it's not something that we need. Plus, they always play with those goofy uniforms
0: now they had their regular
1: uniforms on last night so what do well, you think
2: like, they like to have
1: football on as much as they can
0: oh like, i i like, understand yeah. I'm, I'm the reason jeff will tell you i watch like preseason game number four <laughs> on dvr so it's
1: all the way to the
0: end yeah he's got the
2: question the question is jeff would you not watch it if it was uh if, if, if it wasn't on you wouldn't watch it but if it's on are you gonna watch it
0: not thursday
1: night football Jeff, watch it? Jeff no. makes okay. his own personal
0: right. protests that yeah. make no sense to me at times, right. but but he's taking a stand uh, and will not watch the game. No,
1: I got hey, I got I work to, to do. <laughs> well, guess
2: what? I I, I want to find out who's playing Thursday night, though. <laughs> I, look,
0: I, I sat there and watched it. I didn't. I'm not apologizing for it at all. So last Thursday night, we saw a banner raised here in the city. So much fun at the tailgate. Right. What was it like for right. you as an Eagle great who played in this city to watch that team raise a banner and see them kick off as the world champions?
2: Oh man, that's an awesome feeling. I, you know, I just wish that I had a chance to do it when I was playing. I, I can only imagine what it would have been like if we had a, had a chance to do it. But to actually be there and 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 see the Philly fans as excited as they were, you know, they deserve it. It's been a long time.
0: It was so much fun to be down there in the lot before the game. The rain could not dampen people's excitement. Offense didn't quite do what we wanted. Defense was there. Eagles pulled it out. What was your thought analysis on what we saw from this Eagles team week one?
2: Well, that's the thing. Um, you know, sometimes uh, both sides are not going to be clicking, and you know, it's going to come a time where the offense bails the defense out. It's just it happens. I mean, the Super Bowl was kind of like that. It was a, a high scoring Super Bowl, right? So the offense kept us in the, in the game, and then defense made the plan in the end to win it. So you know, all phases of the game go together. Once and once they all start clicking, then it'll be you know it'll be a uh, something to uh, to really watch. Once all three phases get together,
1: when but as when long you, as we
2: get the win, that's the bottom line. Win
1: is a win. Yeah. Well, at the beginning of the season, when you played, did, which which did you perceive to click first? Is it, is it usually the defense that that gets on the same page first, or is it the offense?
2: Well, defense is. I mean, you know. It's it's kind of easier for us to actually get on on page together because you know we're we're out to go out there and stop the ball carriers and, and stop the receivers from catching the ball. So that's what we have always been doing. Offense got to make up different schemes and different things to 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 get guys open and 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 to counter counteract each other. So I I think that uh, it's, it's easier for the defense just because that's what we do. We just go out there and, and just go for it. You know. And, and, and once you once you get all that stuff going, it's it's just one great thing. Especially when you got good guys, you know, great guys up on the defensive line, like like Fletcher Cox and those guys, it makes it a lot easier as a on the back
0: line. It almost seems like it's crazy to say this, but they have they seem to have more depth and talent at defense this year than they did last well, year. I mean, the line with Michael Bennett there, and I mean Cox was all over the the field, and now you've got the depth at secondary, and you got Nigel Bradham coming back this week. What are you seeing but, from this Eagles defense and how excited are you to see these linebackers all out there together as an old linebacker yourself?
2: Well, I mean, you know, I, I think that the, the, the team as a whole, the defensive unit as a whole, they're they're, they're pretty solid. So I, I don't think that uh, back in 91 we had, you know, we had linebackers, we had defensive linemen, and we had defensive backs. It's hard to have all three, you know, three positions out there that, that are good. So when you have that, and which we do in the Eagles is something to uh, look forward to to seeing every Sunday.
0: You you were drafted in '91. What was it like to come into that team with that talent, with uh, Eric Allen and a uh, uh, Reggie White and the players that were on this defense? I mean, as a as a kid growing up, that's the defense <laughs> that I remember, you know, watching and, and loving. What was it like for you as a player to come in and be a part of something like that?
2: Well, I tell you what. I mean, it, it, my job was easy. They told me, "Hey, Rook, just turn it back inside us. Don't let it get outside of you." So that's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> and I tell you, um, just having guys like Reggie White and, and Clyde Simmons those guys up there, um, actually, you know, creating havoc the way they did, it made it made my job so much easier because I knew that in the passing game, I knew that uh, the quarterback didn't have much time at all. And I think Eric Nimm could vouch for that too, Eric, Eric Allen, and the guys. I think that, you know, when you have a defensive line that's, that's creating pressure on a regular, um, I can I can jump routes and, and get interceptions easier.
1: Yeah, but you're being a little modest. Uh, I mean, I mean, you did your part too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, and as a line, as a linebacker, or as a safety, you you have to read the defense. You have to see. You know, if you're up on yeah. the line, you can't really read too much. Uh, where you're back yeah. there, and you have to read it and kind of take a leadership role. So, a, as a, a young player, was it hard to take a leadership role when you had those veterans on the team?
2: No, it wasn't hard because you know they. If you if you uh, do what what's presented in front of you, like Seth and 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 Eric and Byron and the way the way the way they got the way those guys um, prepared for the game and the way they way they were students of the game, so it it made it easy for me just to follow suit. You know, once you have that uh, that script in front of you, it's you know you just keep doing the same thing, you know, and hopefully hopefully that. Uh, you know, I would do that for the, the people who came in behind me. That's the way you kind of – you learn.
0: Well, let, let's play it forward a little bit this week. Uh, got P- Tampa Bay on the schedule, put up 48 points against New Orleans last week. Ryan Fitzpatrick yeah. was the best passer in the league. Uh, what do you think coming yeah. into this game for, for the Eagles? Uh, Deshaun Jackson may be out potentially with a concussion. As a defensive guy, how do you look to cover somebody like a Mike can, Evans?
1: Can, can we before <laughs> –
0: Sorry, but before
1: he... Jeff's just going to interrupt the whole I'm, thing. I'm going to interrupt worry. here because I don't want to hear Ryan Fitzpatrick best passer in the league. Look, I can only go by Come the on. numbers from week one. Well, he uh,
2: can only go by what happened last week. Okay. Uh, you're you're only
0: as good as your last game. All right. <laughs> and Fitzpatrick had a good week. Go so ahead. I want to know... Mr. Thomas, how, go How real is New Orleans' <laughs> defense to give up 48 points, and what do you think the Eagles are going to do against him this week?
2: Wait a minute. Hold on now. You, now... Over the years, how many points have the New Orleans Saints defense been given up over the years?
0: Exactly. So is that is <laughs> so that real? You, all you
2: got is look at. That. I mean, they've they've always given up points in New Orleans, but they always scored points in New Orleans also. So it's one of the things. I think our defense is different than definitely way different than New Orleans defense. So uh, I don't expect. Uh, Fitzpatrick to be throwing, you know, maybe four hundred yards against us because I think that we have a better nucleus of a uh, defensive players.
1: Yeah, I, I wouldn't so start with that. We're
2: gonna have him off I think I think our defensive line is gonna have him flustered and, and frustrated and off balance, honestly.
0: Well and, and they could have, you know, they've got some injuries, they have some depth issues. So I mean you, you could see Fletcher Cox and Michael Bennett kinda licking their chops, ready to tee off a little bit. Uh, back there. Nigel Bradham's probably ready to go on the offensive side for this team. uh, They have some, Tampa's got some injuries on defense. They could be starting two rookie defensive backs. What's it like for a defense and for an offense? If you're, you know, if you're on the offensive side, you're Nick Foles, how do you game plan around targeting a rookie? If you're the defense, how do you cover up for the fact that you've got rookies back there and you're trying not to give up big play?
2: Well, the defense, uh, it all depends on if is if that, uh, rookie is a if he's a safety and they have to make big time uh checks then that's the, that poses a problem. But if he's a cornerback, a lot of the times the cornerbacks out there playing man to man they are trying to highlight anyway. So either either if he's not good enough to be a good cover guy, then we'll roll the safety over the top of him to help out, you know? Mm-hmm. So there there are things that you do as a defensive unit, as a defensive coach to help out the younger guys. If it's a young safety that if he I would try to check and see if he can make Checks and, and and read read my quarterback. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Move like a free safety, is a free a safety in, deep in middle. If I if, if my quarterback can look him off all the time, then you know that, we're gonna we're gonna try to exploit that.
0: You have any concerns about Foles' ability to do that? Given that it looks like Sproles is going to be out this week, Shelton Gibson's game time decision, Jeffrey out again. Any concern with the weapons that he's going to have on the field? Ertz, you obviously think we will have a better week than the two drops he had last week.
2: Um, I, I think, I think our offense, I think that, uh, that uh, coach previous, I think he does a good job of, of, uh, game planning. And that's what it's all about. You know, really game planning the, the other team and, 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 and executing the game plan. So with Spro's being out, I, you know, he was out all last year. So, and we did well. And, but like you said, Jeffries is out. That's, that poses a problem for us, but, I saw uh, Mike Wallace open a lot of times last week. We just didn't get a chance of getting the
1: ball. Yeah, I think he's going to have a big game. Uh, you know, yeah. he's overdue. You brought him in here for the big play ball. They they have to give him yeah. at least a couple shots. Oh, yeah. Just has to mean, take a shot. He, he, yeah, he's
2: getting he's getting he's getting, getting downfield. So it's just about you know getting the ball to him. You know, then it go.
0: We need the good Nick Foles yeah. to show up.
1: <laughs> Here's what we need. We, we need we need less than less than uh, the number of penalties that we had last week. Um, there were a lot of penalties and turnovers last week. What do you attribute the number of penalties that there were last week? Is is it the new rules or is it just first it, game jitters? It all
2: depends on which ones were called. If it's a, like the uh, uh, like the helmet rules, that's a that's a tough one. This is definitely a tough one on on uh, defensive guys when you, you come in and make a hit, but. Um, you know, it is what it is. It's just, the game is changing, and you know that's that's just the nature of it.
1: Okay, well, you're, now,
2: you're I think I think last week I think we also we also overlooking the fact that the, the Falcons played really good defense last week. They really did. So, you know, and the Falcons are a good team. So we beat a good team, and that's how you that's how you get it back to the championship. You beat the good teams when you when you have the opportunity.
1: No, what we did. You, you, meant, you mentioned a, a, a good point with regard to the new rules with regard to tackling. You're in a unique position. You, you were a yeah. a player who had to play under right. a, a, a lesser set of rules, and you had more of the, <laughs> more of a target that you could hit. And now you're right. in the yeah. opposite position where you're enforcing the rules as a ref in big time college football. And so, right. so. Do you understand the change and why they're making it? Or And if you were a player as opposed to a ref, would you like the rule?
2: Well, I understand, you know, the changes for safety. And that's, that's the biggest concern right now is just make sure guys are being safe. You know, because as uh, they go with the head down, obviously we know what can happen with that. And we just want to get that part out of the game. If you can get that out of the game, then you'll be okay. But it's, it's hard. To what do you say? Kind of rewind. You understand what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. <laughs> were taught that okay, let's just go smack a guy. But you know, now you got to smack in the right way. Use your shoulder. You know, have your head up. It's it's all kind of things that are going into it now that has to be reworked, sort of say.
0: What's the adjustment been like for you personally, going from being a player to? You did a little coaching. You were at LaSalle for a bit. Now you're refing. What's that adjustment been like for you to to now be calling a game?
2: Well, the adjustment is I don't go tackle anybody.
0: <laughs> if you do, we'll see a highlight someplace. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Like, oh, I had a flashback. You see what that uh-huh. ref did? <laughs> <laughs> he, gave him,
2: he gave him a good forearm that time. Uh. So, no, but I, the, the difference is the – this, it's actually kind of similar because I, I'm I'm an umpire and I sit back behind the linebackers and I basically read the play like I did as I was a, as a linebacker. So and I and and it helps me tremendously because I you know I see almost everything see the guards pulling, tackles pulling, and when it's running pass I see all that stuff. So it helps me out as a as an official tenfold. it it, it helps me out.
0: There's been a a lot of talk about. Um you know, the the different changes in, in targeting penalties, in, in college football. How do you yeah. deal with that as an official when you know that making a call where you could eject a, a player could swing a game, but at the same time you're trying to balance that safety? And I, I asked because we had, uh, about a year ago, Bennett Amalu, who discovered CTE on the show. And we had talked about the okay. concussion issue and concerns about it, and he talked about the ever-growing need to change how the games are played you're on the forefront of that, basically enforcing the change of that game. What do you think in terms of the change in the, and the need towards safety, but at the same time, how do you reteach some of these players? You talked about forever. If ever it's been hit the guy, just smack him. How do you retrain these players who have spent their whole life learning to do one thing to now say, no, you can't do that. It's a penalty.
2: <laughs> well, I'm going to tell you this, uh, and I'm going to be honest. And as a player, as when I was playing, I used to stick my head in all the time, you know, try to get out the way. I'm like, wait, man, this stuff is hurting me, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, well, now I can I know how to put the shoulder in there and, and get the guy down. I don't have to use my head, I really don't. And and players, they really, you don't have to use your head to get a guy down because you you can get a good shot in with your shoulder too, you know. So with that being said, if it's if it's targeting targeting and if everyone's, you know, looking at what they're supposed to be looking at, all the factors are there. All the, all they, like the head down, you know, or hitting or leading them with a shot up to the above the shoulders or something like to a defensive player. All those, all those uh, things are there, and you don't want a guy who's stressed out your like receiver to get hit above, above the shoulders, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, well, with targeting, I, I, it comes close to my the pain of my heart because in in the Michigan Notre Dame game. Uh, one of their best mm-hmm. players was thrown out in the first half for targeting. Mm-hmm. What exactly is a ref looking for that leads to a targeting, or is the league looking for? Because I believe at some point they take it out of your hands and and make an evaluation in 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 an office oh. somewhere, right?
2: Oh yeah, if it's if say if the official may have missed one on the field, and it was you know it was a big time hit, you know the replay can look at it also. And say, okay, you know, we're going to buzz down and we're going to look at this, this, uh, this tackle, this hit, and see if it was targeting. And if it, and if it is targeting, if it's egregious enough, they will, they will initiate it
1: from the replay booth. So, what exactly, what, what are you looking for as an official that leads to targeting? Because it, I, I don't think a lot of people they so hear the targeting, on, but on, they don't know the receiver, what
2: it is. say the receiver's catching the ball across, the, across the middle if he's def- he's considered defenseless okay until he has caught the ball had the time to get his feet down and and, and make a move and up until then he's defenseless so if you hit him you need to hit him below then below the below the, shoulder, below the neck
1: basically you okay. know mm-hmm. and that
2: and if you hit him you don't need to go in with the crown of your helmet
1: so is, is that is that the big is, the biggest sin, is, is the crown of the helmet these days? Using the crown of the helmet as a now, weapon?
2: Now, that, if, you use, if you use the crown of your helmet pretty much all, anywhere on the field, that could be targeting, period.
1: Okay.
0: Well, we are, are going to be looking for that ump that's out there tackling players, and uh, we'll make sure to let them <laughs> know
1: that you said you were going to do it here first. By the way, how many, how many players will—you know, you see play, players that will sometimes argue with a ref. Are there a lot of college yeah. football players that are arguing with you? <laughs> <laughs> they, his, his, no, because – They uh, know who I, you are. I keep, the,
2: I, keep the, I keep the dialogue going out there. I, I have a good time out there with the players, actually.
0: Yeah, I want you, know, you I want yeah. mic'd up for a game one day. That would be kind of entertaining, I think. <laughs> we, no, I don't
2: know if I need to be mic'd up because sometimes you say some things out there. <laughs> you can't help but laugh, but it doesn't need to be heard. Well, you know?
0: <laughs> Jeff and I are going to work on our lip reading, and uh, we really appreciate you taking the time to join us. Have a great game tomorrow, and uh, hopefully we we'll get you back on soon.
1: All right, thanks, guys. Thanks, thanks
0: so much for the time.
1: Jeff. Right, that, good
0: Jeff, that was fun.
1: It's an it's an interesting thing because you don't know many players that have gone from great. I mean, he was an Eagles great player and have now transitioned from there to coach for a little while to ref. Oh, I forgot it, to ask him the
0: question I wanted to ask him. What's
1: that? I wanted to ask him about Colin Kaepernick. We'll get him back on to talk about that. Something tells me that issue won't go away. Can we talk about that real fast? For a minute. Go ahead. So, okay. out of nearly 1,700 players
0: yeah, last week, four of them didn't stand. Two of them kneeled, two of them sat. Okay. Is this an issue? <laughs> for, I, I, for the people
1: <coughs> that don't want to let it go, it's an issue. It, it, you know, I, I can't repeat the thing that I told you before, <laughs> uh, the, uh, before we got on air that somebody had posted about... Yeah, you don't there, like the hypocrisy around it. No, because, c- look, I, I have friends that feel very, and I know a lot of people that feel very strongly on both sides of the issue, and I think it's I think we should just have dialogue about it instead of trying to v- victimize or vilify people. And I think that's what, for some reason, this issue be- comes down to. And as you said, we're talking about four players that did it. Oh, and, and they're not doing it for a reason to offend people. They're doing it to raise a, an issue. But here's what gets me. Don't criticize them on Monday through Friday or Monday through Saturday. And cheer them on Sunday. Especially Monday. on your Facebook page. And then put on your jersey and go cheer those same players because Kenny Stills was one of the players that now. And I saw people that ripped him during the week and then had their Dolphins jersey on and were jumping up and down and clapping in that stadium. When Kenny still scored two touchdowns, I, I, I'm just going to ask you this, okay?
0: And I'm not saying Colin Kaepernick is the best quarterback in the world. How is it that <laughs> Nathan Peterman? <laughs>
1: you know, you do, literally didn't have to even start can, the question. Can and everybody listen? Start let's say to, a yeah. game
0: in this league, and Kaepernick can't get a tryout. Don't know. And and the problem I have is it's not about his talent anymore. It's the NFL is afraid of their own shadow, because Nike, who themselves is not the perfect messenger. Mm-hmm. Has now hit an all time high with their stock. They've added one hundred and seventy thousand Instagram followers. Their sales were up thirty one percent. So can we stop with this outcry of of a an issue that is hijacked by people who want to make it their own agenda and just get back to what the players are actually talking about at some uh, point? Yeah. Well, look, or is uh, that train just totally uh, lost? See, location? I
1: I don't just like I don't like to deal with the Levar Ball thing a lot. Uh, Nike, uh, you know, Nike got on this train probably to make money. Let's face it. Of course okay? they are. They're a so, business. So I, I don't really care what Nike has to say, okay? I, I, I don't personally wear their sneakers anyway, but... So you are not out there burning sneakers? It, well, that's it. Uh, who, why are you burning I mean, seriously, sneakers? you're going to spend
0: a couple hundred dollars on sneakers and burn them. Who wins that? I'm not, they still have your some money. S-
1: some sneaker company wins because Nike, you bought the sneakers, and now you got to go buy another pair Yeah, they still
0: have your money. Now you're barefoot.
1: Oh, let's let's talk some baseball instead.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, let's get into the Phillies cuz that's yeah. a much warmer and happier <laughs> topic. Okay. I'm going to ask you the question that I asked you before the show.
1: Yeah.
0: Are the Phillies who we you thought they were? You know, we should
1: were? just start the show earlier and then we could get And out then everything here, right? we talked about will yeah, get. Yeah, right.
0: Are the Phillies who we thought they were? Because before the season. No. We talked about them being a 500 team, maybe a little better, mm-hmm. possibly chasing for the wild card. Yep.
1: I think I said then 84 and 78. Then all of a sudden, all all of a
0: sudden they hoping. play better during the season, right. and everybody's like, this is great, wonderful. The Phillies are doing it. Mm-hmm. They were one and a half games up on August 5th. Mm-hmm. In the last 34 games, they are 11 and 23. Yep. And they are now, how many games back, Jeff? A lot. Seven and a half? They're out. They're done. Se- seven and a half? They're, they're done.
1: so They got 17 games left. Who are so the, they're not who mathematically are the Phillies,
0: Who are the Phillies right now as a team? Are they the team that was I'm not quite sure who they
1: are as a team? I think that the group of players are better than their record. And I, I I do I am not somebody who often believes that baseball managers can influence a game. I think baseball managers manage personalities. I think that's what Charlie Manuel was best at. I think he understood hitting. He was very good with it, but he managed people really well. In this particular case, there is a lot of overmanage. I never liked Tony La Russa because I thought that he thought he was smarter than everybody else. And he overdid it. And yes, he won a World Series. But I still think that his moves were bad. Same thing here with what Kapler doing. And I don't know if it's, a, it's an entire organizational philosophy or what the deal is. But the games have become three and a half hours long because we're now every... Other batter, the pitcher is being changed. Nobody goes more than five innings. Sometimes they don't even go more than four innings because you want to put a pinch hitter in because that is supposedly the crucial part of the game. And the lineups continue to change. And I'll just give you one example of success and then overmanaging. Reese Hoskins last week hit, th- hit home runs in three consecutive games batting cleanup. Which is a spot that a lot of people have said that they would but like it to see him batting. He has not hit a home run since they then moved him back to the two spot. So where's he
0: batting tonight, Jeff?
1: I haven't seen the lineup. He's yet, in but the based two spot. That, Jeff. He's in the two spot. He's in the two spot. I don't get it. I, I this whole idea that well then he's going to get an he's going to get an he's going to get an extra at bat over the course of a game is unlikely. And uh, I'd rather have the option or the possibility that early in the game there are people on base that when he if he does hit a home run means more runs. And what I don't want to see is who's batting first today? Cesar Cesar. Hernandez. But who's been batting first when Cesar's not there?
0: Carlos Santana.
1: Carlos Santana. (laughs) The guy that we spent $20 million a year on to to move Reese Hoskins out of his best position. Right? That's first off. So he could bat 225 or 226 during the season, but he walks a lot.
0: I don't get he that. He hits the ball hard into outs, though, Jeff. He he makes good contact.
1: No, look, <laughs> he he was a mistake. I, I told you before the season that I, this was the one thing that concerned me most was was Carlos Santana being brought in. I just thought it was going to change the whole dynamic of if Hoskins isn't playing first, then what's next? All right, and, seventeen and, games. And, and so left. how many what guys do, you, do we are we going to put at third base? Se-
0: seventeen games left. What do you do with this team in this lineup?
1: I want ten straight games with the same lineup
0: of what? Uh, Roman Quinn playing center field. He's batting ninth tonight. He'd be uh, your lead. Uh, your leadoff guy. I'm, I'm
1: literally having a seizure because <laughs> Roman Quinn's one of the fastest guys in the lead a league and does know how to steal bases.
0: He's batting ninth, so he'd be your leadoff guy. Yes. Who's batting second? Uh huh. Who's batting second for you? Kingery. Okay, and, and he's playing second base. Second base. He's yes. not playing shortstop. Which they,
1: for some reason, have been fearful to put him in because I don't know if it's going to offend Caesar or what the deal is, but you need to find out if Kingery can play. And who's I'm not your, saying Who's Penn. your
0: shortstop? Are you playing Crawford at shortstop? Crawford. Who came in after not which, playing and which hit a home the, run. So,
1: so that was another thing. The other day, J.P. Crawford, after he had a good game, Kapler said after the game, uh, he's been doing really well, and I, I'm trying to find times to put him in. What, what do you, does that mean? You don't have another natural shortstop on the team other than 65-year-old as Drupal Cabrera. It, there's, there's nobody else on the team who is a true shortstop who can physically play it anymore. So why would you not put him in at this point? Maybe it won't work out, but isn't it time that we find out? Stop with the face you're making. <laughs> Isn't it time we find out?
0: <laughs> I'm enjoying how animated you're getting over this whole thing.
1: Because I don't I don't like the over... You're getting I think, like all worked I up. I think people are getting frustrated by the overmanagement and maybe it won't work. You
0: think that's frustrating, you just wait till this off season. Because oh, we're gonna spend the whole go. off season. No, we're not we're gonna get a Sixers issue where they're going star hunting and everybody's gonna talk about how we're gonna sign so, Bri- so we're gonna we sign an Harper and Machado.
1: Yeah, well, so here's an assignment for our listeners that we're gonna be thinking about over the next couple weeks because John Heyman started the story, as you were saying, that that Manny Machado that some anonymous GM said Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are gonna come here together next year. First of all, I don't want Bryce Harper here. He now that they have the shift on him, Bryce Harper is just going to be what everybody complained about Ryan Howard was at the end of his career. Okay, so and Ryan Howard hit more home runs, so I don't know how that's a good idea, Machado. I want, but it's
0: not just a John Heyman story because you got a notification from MLB, and then and then then some other top story on CBS. So so what we're gonna do? How a rumor gets started? Yeah, so
1: maybe maybe over the next couple weeks we'll come up with something fun that our listeners can then spread to the world, and and it could be just a ridiculous story we can talk about for the rest of the off season.
0: I, I. i am not looking forward to the we're going to get both and then when we have these high expectations we get oh you know what you know what you know what i heard and it's like we're gonna get lebron and Kawhi. i
1: heard we're gonna get both kershaw and Degrom in the offseason you are so you are so (laughs) full
0: of it don't even start with that i can't keep track of like the real rumors don't go starting fake rumors please
1: (laughs) well see that's the danger of things like twitter so now every every reporter retweets what another reporter says
0: hey you kids get off my lawn there's Jeff with his PSA of the day stay off Twitter
1: (laughs) stay off the radio go to break
0: all right stick with us we're going to keep up the baseball talk when we get back we've got our high hopes Phillies minor league rundown stick with us
1: Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon Residential Landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family
0: taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports, with the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN, with former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the High Hubs Phillies Minor League Rundown on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen. Jeff, we've got one team left in the Phillies system still in the playoff race. Tell me what's going on in Lakewood.
1: Lakewood's down to game four. They're in the championship series. Last two games are at home. It's a best of five series. They won the first one and then they lost... The last two, but they have but Spencer to,
0: Howard on the mound
1: tonight. Yeah, and since the last time we were on air, uh, Spencer Howard did something pretty special. He pitched a no hitter.
0: The effort that you went to to tell me what was going on, but not jinx what he was doing, had me <laughs> laughing out loud. You get, you kept like texting well, me. Well, we we tweeted it you, too. You, you texted me. I don't know if you know what's going on with Spencer Howard, but you should look. Right. It's like, hmm. I wonder what he's talking <laughs> about there. <laughs> and then you're like trying to tweet without saying. Guys Guy's got a no hitter going yeah. on. You're doing everything not to have the jinx over here from it.
1: Yeah. Well, usually <laughs> I'll start it around the fourth inning or so, and and my son will often say to me, you know, it's like way too early. It's early. You shouldn't be said. But but you can get a sense of it. I mean, I don't know where you were when Roy Halladay pitched his no hitter in the playoffs. I was watching. Um, did you, you knew not, early? Yeah. Exactly. You that, knew he had stuff. Yeah. Early. I mean, I was at that game, and and I could tell you because it, it, it was kind of rainy, and my whole family was there. My son was keeping score. That was a scorecard game. game, right? Yeah. And and in the rain, I'm going, why why are you doing this? And he goes, something's going on. And and you could just tell. See, your son knows more than you. No, you you <laughs> <can>. <laughs> get out of here. It's only the second floor, but I could still throw you out the window. <laughs> so, but you can tell. And and I wasn't at that Spencer Howard game, but from people that that I email with and the organization and stuff, you. People seemed to be getting excited very early about what he was doing. And he did it in a game where he clinched. Yeah, I mean, it's it's what you want to
0: see from a pitcher. You know, we talked to... At the end of a long season. And we talked to Marty Malloy about that earlier in the season when we were out in Lakewood about putting those players in situations. We talked to all the managers about that, putting them in situations that you can't replicate. Mm -hmm. You can't replicate a a clinching or tying game that you throw a no-hitter in. You just can't... To see somebody go out and perform in that situation is what you want.
1: Yeah, and you want to finish strong. I mean, especially at Lakewood, for a lot of those guys, it is the first time in their life that they have gone through a 140-plus game season.
0: And we played that interview last week with Will Stewart talking about that, what it was like for him to go through the monotony of
1: 140 games. Yeah, and we talked to Sean Williams, the manager of Clearwater, the week before that, and he said, look, I can't prepare them for that. They have to go through it. Their bodies and their minds have to go through it to actually. You can tell them everything, you know. You can tell them to eat better and work out until you've actually experienced. You don't know. And Spencer Howard went through this for the first time in his life this long season, and he's only gotten better. Every game he got better, and then he comes to this, and in the playoffs he saves his best for. Hopefully not his best for last. He's got a game tonight, and and then we don't know who's going to pitch tomorrow. If but I'm a Re- we'll, but we'll be there tomorrow if there is a game five.
0: If I'm a Reading Philly fan, I'm I'm pretty excited about what could be coming my way next year with some of the arms in the system.
1: Arms and hitters. I I, th- I think that they are going to have a, a much better team than they did this year. Although I they had a good team, they just got snake bitten. I mean, their best pitcher was Jojo Romero, who got shut down early on, and he had just started to click. Yeah. Okay. But Lehigh Valley is going to get all those guys next year, and so we'll see how they perform. I, I, yeah. I have
0: some, you know, we'll talk in the next two weeks. So we're going to go through this week the Jeff's ranking of the top fifteen hitters in the system. And then next week we'll go through the top fifteen arms in the system because Jeff sometimes because everybody dis- else does Jeff it, so sometimes why not us? disputes the rankings out there and wanted to just put his name on something. So we'll call this Jeff's rankings.
1: You could make it anonymous <laughs> An anonymous, <laughs>
0: anonymous <laughs> rankings. Yes. Okay. Tell so me forget
1: who's on the radio now. You, Anonymous is talking. You and yeah. and look,
0: you, you spent a lot of time watching this year. So there mm-hmm. are people that, that do rankings that don't see the games. That I mean, it tr-
1: it drives me nuts. You you
0: were there. And right. so you've seen a bunch of these swings, you've seen a bunch of these players, and so you have a different kind of ranking than a lot of other people out there. And I'm not saying you're right or wrong, but tell me how you arrived at this oh, and I'm let's go through right. some of these. Yeah. Well, it, it's, other it, than it, arguing with your son for the last week about <laughs> who should be higher or lower on the list.
1: It, it's, it's partly based on what the scouting report said when they came into the system. It's partly based on the statistics over this entire season, uh, taking into account a little less what they've done in the past, except to see whether or not they've improved or digressed, um, or regressed. So you've got a 19-year-old, and then also, the see- and then also seeing them. You've got a
0: 19-year-old as the number one hitter in the system.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, that's partly based on based on what I think is going to be a mythology that develops with with him. Uh, we had the chance to interview him a couple of weeks ago. He, he is a man among boys. Who won uh, a he home, won run, a home derby. run derby when he was 12 years old against against adults. adults. <laughs> yeah, adult baseball players, not against like you and I. I mean, the the rec league, right? Was it? Yeah. yeah. And so uh, he, he's huge. He I is mean, a very big, strong guy, and, and he started out slow. But keep in mind, he's an international signee from the Dominican. He's a baby. He's 19 years old. Okay. He's still Every, one. Of, everybody's he's one a baby of the, to you, Jeff. Well, that's that's true. <laughs> even you. <laughs> it, it, it's, he's 19 years old in a league where that's very young. Um, and he started out slow and then he was injured, but he ended up 110 games. He had 91 hits and 454 at bats. And most importantly, he had 18 doubles, two triples, 13 home runs, 47 RBIs. His Your batting, concern
0: is his strikeouts.
1: Yes, he had 148 strikeouts. Is it which is his bomb.
0: aggressiveness, or is there a hole in his swing?
1: I think it's aggressiveness, and I think it's pitch selection. And I think that's it's one of the things... That, that comes in, with maturity and age. Exactly. So so that's not something I'm particularly worried about at single A. And so I will tell you... I was going to say, do
0: you think he starts the season at single A again next year? No,
1: he had a whole season here. Um, so, even, so you think so, he's so, in double? Yeah, I think I, you have to challenge these guys. If you, if you stop challenging them... If you leave him at the same level for too long, I think that, that it, it doesn't serve any purpose.
0: So you, second, you have Adam Hazley ranked, and, and we first saw him at A ball, moved up to double A, continued to hit well. Why why'd you put
1: him there? He's, he's 22 years old, and he has just been great. I mean, he started out at Clearwater in high A. He was a college baseball player at the University of Virginia. He did really well there, and they moved him up to Reading, and nothing stopped. He, in fact, his power got better. So over the course of his season, he had 142 hits, 77 runs, 17 doubles, five triples, which is nice that he's got some speed, 11 home runs, 55 RBIs, and he struck out 73 times. So where is he next but season? But his batting average was .305.
0: Where is he next season? Is he in A, Or does he? is that a quick jump for him since he went from single to A this year?
1: I think that um, he's one of the – you know, they usually know before the season, before they get the spring training, kind of where people should be slotted. I think Hazley's a guy who, if he impresses in the spring training, that they may just shoot him up to AAA. Uh, he's got college seasoning. He's got a the mentality that he has seems to be able that he could handle that kind of transition very quickly. And I think you, I think your head matters just as much as your your physical ability. And I think that he'll fit in well.
0: You have Jose Pujols at third, and you know. We've talked separately, not on the air, about the arms that they have versus the bats. Mm -hmm. What are you seeing from the bats in terms of when you rank this, how strong that part of the farm system
1: is versus other areas? Well, the arms is much stronger. The, the, The Phillies have been drafting and going and getting from abroad lots and lots of arms. And they have lots of arms there. A lot of them are in the lower levels. I still think Cole Irvin is a major league pitcher, and I wish they would bring him. I I just, you know, he's one of those guys bring up now, but I understand he's not on the 40-man roster, and they would have to make some moves. But I just want to see him pitch, because I think he's got no place else to go but the majors. Uh, And I think he'll be as successful as like a number three pitcher. But in doing this, I was kind of struck by the fact of how – pitching heavy they are yeah, you, like doing a top 15 for pitchers will be easy you saw
0: a lack of depth among the hitters in the system
1: yeah it was it, it's a little concerning but then again you look through other systems and there, there just isn't a lot there aren't a lot of talented hitters out there there just aren't it's it's hard to find them and so but jose pool was a guy who i saw five years ago and and saw him in the gulf coast league and said he's the best guy down there and he kind of disappeared for a while. He had decent years, not great years. And I think this is the last year that he wouldn't have to be on the 40-man roster. And they're going to have an interesting decision because he ended up being the Florida State League Player of the Year. He moved up to A towards the end of the season and did well. He ended up having 18 doubles, 4 triples, 22 home runs, batted 295, and had an OPS of 868.
0: So you think he's at A next year yeah.
1: and he needs to... You know, I think this is it for him. I, kinda, I, th- I think that he, he made the step he needs to make. <clears throat> he did strike out 160 plus times. But in today's game, as much as that bothers me, uh, it doesn't
0: bother <laughs> people in the majors. Four and five, you have Rodolfo Duran mm-hmm. and
1: Alec Boehm. Mm-hmm. Tell me why. Well, Rodolfo Duran has just been incredible at Lakewood. I mean, he's a catcher. And he has 18 home runs, and that stadium is a major league size stadium. They, you do not hit a lot of home runs in that stadium. He's been that good. He needs to work on his catching, uh, which is doesn't a,
0: every Phillies catcher have to work yeah, on? Yeah, because we catching?
1: if you, well if you go skip down a spot past Alec Bohm, we had Davey Groulon at, at six, and he was the Double A home run derby champion this year. He is your traditional catcher, the short, stocky catcher with just strength. Um, and he needs to work on kind of Jorge Alfaro disease, which is to button the ball go through your legs. He just needs to get down. <laughs> I'm
0: glad you've so. <laughs> diagnosed that, Dr. Cohen.
1: <laughs> but he only had 81 strikeouts <clears throat> to rule on. So, so that, to me, was impressive. I skipped over Alec Bohm because Alec Bohm, I can only go on what the scouting reports are. He played rarely this year because he was drafted this season. He went to Williamsport after a couple weeks down at the Gulf Coast League and proceeded to get hit on the knee and he was out for a while. So you think so he
0: starts the year at Williamsport again or does he No, end no. Up in he a starts ball? at Lakewood. He starts at Lakewood. Yeah.
1: Uh, he's he's too old to not, he's already he's 22, 22 years old. So I he's got to be Yeah, so moving. he's he's got a he has to, when you come out of college you have to move through the system quicker. Cuz se- you're older. At 7 and 8 you have two first basemen that we're going to have a little backup. Nice. Two first baseman who played at the same college together. Then and, we're going to have a backup
0: a in the triple A na- in triple A next year. Derek Hall and Austin Listy. Great interviews, by the way. They were yep. a ton of fun to talk to both of them.
1: Both Dallas Baptist guys. I mean, Austin Listy has the, the rodeo career that he gets That's right. Ri- riding his That's dog. That's right. Okay. But, but I would like him to see him play baseball, <laughs> but those two guys, uh, both from Dallas Baptist, both started the year at Clearwater, made their way up to double A. Both had success with power. Um, Derrick had, had 87 strikeouts, or 118 strikeouts. Austin Listie had 94 strikeouts. But they both had close to 20 home runs this year. So those are two power bats that I think will, and they're older, one's 23, one's 24. They're going to need to move through the system, and I would expect that they'll start the year at AAA.
0: Tell me why your Notre Dame favorite, Matt Vierling, is at nine, who moved from Williamsport up to Lakewood already.
1: He is, and here you can go here comes the old some man Michi- talking some Michigan guy no, no, no. talking about no. now that no, it's he has a beautiful swing uh, he just he reminds me of an old school baseball player he has just has this long fluid swing and you know the he, kind that's frowned upon in major league baseball now <laughs> yeah well that's are they going to mess with it is is the biggest concern with him because everybody's now worried about launch angles but he went he got drafted this year by from Notre Dame went to Williamsport and lasted 12 days because he was hitting so well and then proceeded to go to Lakewood and he had a small adjustment and then he adjusted just fine. So for a fifth round pick, he ended up with 12 games at Williamsport this year, 50 at Lakewood, 234 at bats, 75 hits, 18 doubles and seven home runs. And he's only struck out 40 times with a 321 average. That's pretty good. Um, and, and I expect him to move through the system pretty quickly. All he'll right. start at double. I think he'll skip Clearwater and go to Double A. All
0: right, let's let's keep moving through mm-hmm. this list. We have got Ben Pelletier, uh, the Canadian player in the Philly system at ten, and then your boy Mickey Moniac, who you go to town defending on Twitter at eleven.
1: Pelletier's got is another guy with a nice, solid swing. He had nine home runs at at short season A ball. Uh, he was drafted three years ago, so it's been slow moving. But he's still he's only twenty two years, and I think he's going he's doing well. Moniac Boy. I, I know, but but well he's not my boy, but but I but I've defended him. You and, preach patience. And people are gonna go, well, how can you be defending him if he's number eleven? I, I I don't know. What can I say? People have been complaining about him since he got here. People, just so you know, he's one of the youngest players at his level. Okay? And and he finished the season strong. He doesn't have a strong OPS. He does strike out a decent amount, but he's he's a gap hitter. He had twenty eight doubles, three triples, five home runs. All right. And I think he's going to be fine. Do I think he's going to be a star? No. Don't start screaming at me that he's going to be a star. But he he is going to play the way that the Phillies draft him to play.
0: All right. I'm going to run through the rest of the list with you. At 12, you have Jake Shiner. Jake, 13, you've got Zach Green. Yep. 14, you've got Joey Manessis. And 15, you've got Nick
1: Maton. All right. Tell so, me why. Well, Jake Shiner, Jake Shiner is just a combination of power and speed. He's an infielder. He's 23 years old. He was a fourth-round pick last year. And he, again, had showed pop at Lakewood. Anybody that shows pop at Lakewood, I'm impressed. Because of the size game. of the ballpark. Yeah, and I, and he had an 842 OPS and a 296 average. Zach
0: Green is finally doing what they hoped he would. And after that's because some of health. I mean,
1: we had the chance to talk to him at the All-Star game, which he made this year. And he he had a problem with his shoulder. I think it was, was his shoulder or his elbow. And he's finally healthy. And he did, he did very well and made his way up to AAA this year. And I think that he's going to get a shot in spring training. What are the,
0: What's this team going to do with Joey Manessis? I mean, he's a free agent. He's twenty six
1: years old. He's had he had, he was close to a triple crown in in AAA. He was the he was the MVP.
0: That's what I'm saying. You don't yeah. have necessarily space for him at the big league. Do you let a player like that walk? And if you're Joey Manessis, do you sign again in well, this
1: system? See, that's it. it. Joey Manessis has obviously has the call whether he wants to sign here or not. And if I'm Joey Manessis after this season, I realize that that all I am is an insurance policy. And, ch- and chances are I'm not going to get a chance to play for the Phillies but for an injury I would probably look for another organization if I were him. If and I'm the Phillies, I sign him. You you keep him. And Nick yeah. Maton, tell me why. Nick Maton is a, an, another infielder who's got some pop, plays a good defense. He's just another guy that I think is going to do well, but again, he's not if you're looking for a superstar right now, he's not the superstar mold. He's a solid baseball player mold.
0: It just seems a little thin from the bats. And I'm not saying that in necessary. It just seems like you you had a hard time getting to 15.
1: There are some other guys. Look, I think a lot of these guys, like Jake Shiner, I debated. I thought that I think that maybe you think Jake he should Shiner, be higher. I do. Th- I, well, it's my list, so I. <laughs> but, you debated yourself. That's right. I debated a myself. Well internal yeah, monologue, Jeff. But, <laughs> but uh, he could, I think, turn into something really special. There's a couple guys on here who can turn into something special. The problem is you don't have a lot of guys in your system. People are a buzz about, you know, and, and and I I think that's what people have trepidation about. Although I think it's easier to get hitters in trades and free agency than it is to get pitchers. So I understand what the Phillies' philosophy is. And next week we'll get a chance to talk about the pitchers in the organization which is not too hard to get to the well
0: and you mentioned the pitchers and so let's let's bring you an interview that we conducted at lakewood a a few weeks ago with zach warren relief pitcher and closer for lakewood and
1: vineland native we're here with zach warren of the uh, lakewood blue Club. zach how you doing i'm doing well thank you so zach what's it been like being with lakewood this year
3: ah it's been really fun it's been close to home um you know uh, I've had a, been on a really good team obviously we've won the most games in franchise history um, get to play with a lot of my really good buddies in the organization so I've just been enjoying the whole year you're you're a Vineland native yeah so what what's it like to to play so close to home oh, it's really fun um, just for example last night after the game rode home uh, about an hour and a half to see my parents and my girlfriend and uh, hang out for a little bit because I'd have to be here till 3 today um, and I was able to do that a bunch the whole year when my friends got done school i was able to go down and hang out with them for a couple nights things like that so it's an opportunity that uh, a lot of the other guys in the clubhouse don't get that i'm very fortunate for so what team did you grow up rooting for oh phillies 100 percent. so
1: what was it like that moment when you got drafted by the phillies
3: it was incredible uh definitely a surreal moment um my whole family was there in my house in vineland you know just waiting um not knowing who really was going to pick me or anything like that and we got the news a couple picks before so everyone was really excited and um, then when we heard my name called it was just a big celebration. Vinyl's a little bit of a baseball hot spot going on right yeah, now. Yeah, a lot of good can, players out there. Can you talk
0: about what it's like for you guys all to come out and now be in the league and coming up together and all have ties in the same area?
3: Uh, it's awesome. I mean, you see guys that I played with in high school and played against in high school and you get to see them all around the league now. You know, one of my, one of my my best friends, Joe uh, Gatto, in, in Double A with the Angels. Um, that's just one that's on top of my head. I know there's a ton of other guys. Uh, it's, just, it's really cool for you know South Jersey and, and New Jersey in general to see a lot of uh, our guys around around the league doing really well. Buddy Kennedy, I know Denny Brady are just some guys that come to mind that have been having pretty good years. So it's awesome for the area.
0: We joked with you coming out. Uh, thanks for taking the time away from the Tennessee game. You, you played school there. Um, when you were at school, you were a starting pitcher and then you moved your junior year to the bullpen. What was that adjustment like for
3: you? Uh, You know, at school, I didn't really like it too much. Um, I, you know, I was a starter and wanted to be a starter my junior year uh, because I thought that's what I liked um, to do. But ever since coming to pro ball, being in the bullpen, and then uh, this year being in the back end of the bullpen, I've definitely found an, uh, a home there. And I really enjoy coming into the game, high pressure situations, throwing 100% effort, um, you know, maxing out for an inning or two. And I, uh, I really enjoy it. What's the transition been like for you to move from, from a starting pitcher to a bullpen pitcher? Uh, It hasn't been too, too tough. I mean, I had a little bit of a learning curve last year in in Williamsport, my first couple games, and then, you know, learning to come in with with guys on base, inherited runners, and do my best to not give up those runs. Um, But, you know, once I figured that out and had a good plan to go with uh, on a daily basis, it was uh, not too too bad of a transition. Uh, Just, uh, I mean, definitely a a lot easier, I think, uh, going in there maxing out uh, giving all I got for an inning or two rather than trying to sustain that over six or seven innings. What's the transition been like
1: going from college where you play maybe 30 games to last year then you went to Williamsport for a little bit but this year you've now been through a whole season 140 plus games. What's it like to go through that and what do you have to do differently to make sure that you can get to the point you're at
3: now? Uh, It's just you got to be really diligent with your your preparation um, before the before the game get here early um, get your lifts in get your arm care in make sure you're staying stressed out and uh, conditioned and everything like that or else your body's gonna break down and you're gonna start feeling some aches and pains midway through the season that you don't want to be feeling um, so that's that's the main thing is just being more diligent with your work and um, yeah, that's basically it. This pitching staff's been dominant this
0: year. What's it like to be a part of something like that that seems so special with the honors that they're getting
3: and the success that everybody's had? Yeah, it's awesome. It's a, it's just like we're a, a brotherhood, you know. It feels like, and, and we're all just a lot of us have really high confidence because you know we've we've had a really good year. We've broken the franchise record in shutouts, and we've all got each other's back. So it's a good feeling knowing that you know this team uh, leans on us for a lot of the success, and uh, that we're a big we're a big part of that.
0: What's the competition like between you guys being able to push yourself you know in a fun way but also to get better professionally all of you
3: yeah no everyone everyone wants to be the best everyone wants to outdo one another it's just uh you know the nature of the game but nobody ever really takes it personally and um you know we we just use it to uh to drive us to you know if um you know, for example, Brogdon comes in the night before and strikes out two guys I want to go in the next night and I want to strike out three guys or, you know, something like that. You know, stuff that doesn't doesn't matter too much, but it just uh, helps drive us to be the best that we can be. Do the hitters ever say to you guys, hey, let them score a couple runs so we have a challenge? Uh, no, no, I think I think they appreciate it, you know, whenever, whenever we uh, – Keep them to a, a you know one or zero or something like that, and we definitely enjoy doing it too. So, keeps the the pressure off them. You ever take any of the boys back to Vineland? Uh, yeah, I've gone back to Vineland with uh, I think just Spencer Howard's come back with me. Uh, we went over to my grandmom's pool for a little bit. My parents made us dinner, and then. Uh, Head back, head back up here uh, in the night because we had a game the next day. What's the best restaurant to go to down in Vineland? Down in Vineland, best. It's got to be. I'd say it's actually in Millville. It's Jim's Jim's lunch. I I bet uh, if you were to ask Mike Trout, he'd probably say the same thing. It's a pretty famous spot down there. All right. So, what's your prediction for Tennessee this year? Uh, Football-wise? Yeah. Uh, You know, we'll see. We got a new coach. We got a young team, um, and I don't think it's looking too great right now. I think we're down by 10 last time I looked, but. Uh, things are definitely looking up, and, you know, I hope the best for them. All right. Well, thanks
1: for joining us. We really appreciate it, and good luck with the playoffs. All right. Thank you.
0: Some of the arms in the system are great, but to talk to them, you, you hear, you know, it's got to be fun to, to play close to home.
1: It seems like it would be a lot of fun. I mean, he, he's literally just, down, he could just go down the road. I mean, uh, when I say down the road, it's an hour, but but it's pretty cool to be able to go home.
0: You you were hoping he
1: brought more people home with
0: him. <laughs> yeah, I um, I always enjoy the way you ask a question. By the way, you, what? you get so excited for the answer. Like, oh, how many people did you bring back to Vineland? One. One. Oh, right? Come really? on, <laughs>
1: really. <I mean? laughs> Yeah, bring bring everybody. You on, you, like, gotta, you bring the whole team home. <laughs> Mom and Dad can have a, you know you can have a grill at your house. I asked it's them to just, take off their shoes before they came in the house.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let, let's talk about. I mean, he's getting some amazing experience right now in, right. in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. He and Connor Brogden. Well, that's
1: it. They they have a one two punch <clears> down there. And in one of the games last week, they had they had seven strikeouts out of nine of nine of the last outs of the game. So Connor Brogdon, who who is also a reliever, and and him have. They've really had just an amazing back end of the bullpen season so if if the game's coming down to the seventh eighth and ninth and they're ahead I think they're gonna win it what's your thought on some of these arms as they progress
0: through the system where where do you think that they they top out for like a Zach Warren or a Connor Brogdon
1: I, well you know you can't tell see that's that's part of the thing that's why when when people, you know, tweeted us or I talked to them and they sit there and they say, well, you know, there's no way he's getting above this level. You don't know. You don't know. There's so much that goes into development. As long as your arm is healthy, to me, you top out if you can't develop location. I don't think it's topping out because you can't throw fast enough. So, sure. so, I, so I think that's it. it as, you, as you progress through the system, can you locate your pitches and, and do you have movement? And both of them, from what I've seen, have the movement and the ability to hit a location.
0: So Spencer Howard on the mound tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lakewood needs a win. Right. And then- How long into the game until you text me? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it depends if if something's you, you happening that I can't you, say. thought I was going
0: to ask like profound. You thought I was going like, to yeah. ask some profound question there, right. and I came up with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Wasn't what you were going. So through. Spencer, if you listen back to this, because I'm sure you're, you know, getting ready for the game. He's right not busy now, now and, or yeah, anything. You know, just realize fourth inning. I'm hoping to be tweeting or or texting Jason saying there's something going on in Lakewood. I wish we were down
0: there. Right now. <laughs> and uh, obviously, if they win tonight, we'll be in Lakewood tomorrow night to see what happens. Gonna close. Well, out I know what will happen if they get to a game five, they win. And that and that would be fun to watch. Yeah. Final thoughts for the week, Jeff. Make it, it make it deep.
1: Well, after, after what you said, I don't know how I could top that. <laughs> well,
0: you just did with that great comment.
1: Uh, Reese Hoskins, fourth. That's my statement. That's your statement. That fourth. That's how you leave it. That's it. Thank
0: you, everybody, for joining us this week on the hardest Sports and High Hopes Phillies Minor League Rundown. Make sure to join us next week as we start your weekend in style. Have a great one. Bye-bye.